but receive the purity of that word that is from the Lord. Praise God. Esther chapter 2, we are continuing with our lessons and today we are on lesson number 29. What is lesson we're going to have together? We're going to enjoy quite a lot uh, the word of God today. Esther chapter number 2 verse number 15. Esther chapter number 2 verse number 15. That's where we are today. And the title for the message is Nothing More. Nothing More. Nothing More. Esther chapter 2 verse 15. The Bible says, Now when the ten, now when the ten came for Esther, the daughter of Abiel, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his daughter, to go into the king, she requested nothing but what Haggai, the king's eunuch, the custodian of the women, advised. And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all who saw her. Now I'm going to repeat again. Now when the ten came for Esther, the daughter of Abiel, the uncle of Mordecai, came. Right? The Bible says, when the opportunity came, when her ten came, we're talking a lot about the ten last, last lesson, when the ten came for her to go into the king, the Bible says she requested nothing but what Haggai, the king's eunuch, the custodian of the women, advised. And what was the result? And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all who saw her. The reading of the word is blessed. All right, nothing more. That is the title for today's uh, teaching. So just this uh Evening, last evening when I was just going through my message and I was meditating on the Word of God, I saw quite a number of things that we already discussed in previous lessons. So I'm just going to quickly run through those. Number one, we talked about 10. You know, your 10 is coming preparation. We find that in the first part of the verse. And we also find the name Esther. And uh, we say Esther simply means a hidden star, a hidden star. And in our earlier lessons, when we spoke about Hadassah and we spoke about Esther, we said that uh, time reveals stars and stars are revealed when it is dark. You know, so sometimes, you know, all the dark moments in life, they are not bad after all. If you are a star, you are a star that is hidden during the course of the day. The stars only appear in the night, not because they come in the night, but they are revealed by darkness. So while the world is going through all this chaotic uh, situation, we have got an opportunity because we carry the light of God. We are stars. You know, we shine in darkness. We don't shine in the light. We shine in darkness. And, um, you know, the Bible says, the daughter of Abiel, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his daughter. We saw the lesson on adoption. Mordecai had adopted Esther as a daughter. So we've got adoption right there. And um, it was an opportunity to go into the king. We spoke about the king and the kingdom. Then the Bible says where we are today, she requested nothing more. She requested nothing but what Haggai, the king's eunuch, the custodian of the women, advised. Now this caught my attention when I was reading this because the very reason why sin entered into the world is because Adam was seeking for something more. Adam wanted something more. And the devil came, preached the message, there is something more. 
what you have is not enough. Where you are is not exactly where you ought to be. You are not complete as yet. But if you do this one thing, you're going to be complete. If you do this one thing, you know, it will make you like God. As of now, you are not like God, you know. But uh, if you do more, if you do more, you will be like God. So man fell into sin the very first time because he wanted something more. And this is the message that is being preached in a lot of pulpits. There is something more, there is something more, there is something more, there is something more. And you never get to get there. You never get to arrive because there is always something more. You get today, there is something more. You are in the kingdom of God. You know, people still come and tell you, you need to keep on seeking the kingdom of God. You know, you are righteous. People still come and tell you that there is still more. You are not yet there. You still need to be more holy. You still need to be more righteous. You know, so there is always the next, the next, the next, the next. So this is exactly what you find, you know, in the very first book. Uh, of the Bible, the downfall of man was in him trying to get something more, what was not given. So God comes and says, of all the trees, remember he had created everything, chapter number one, and you know, every tree, every herb, it was for food. Everything was good, everything was beautiful, um, and with all that God created, you know, you know a number of trees, we all know quite a lot of trees, uh, that that I hear in this world, uh, but God says, of all these trees, you are free to eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you are not supposed to eat of this one because in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. And the devil comes and says, you know what? That one, you know, that one that God says you cannot eat. That that's exactly what you ought to eat. So I was asking myself, if Adam had taken time to eat from every tree as God had spoken. Now, at what point was it going to get to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? You know, it was going to be very difficult for him to actually get to the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. He had not yet enjoyed the other trees, the other fruits. He had not yet enjoyed other herbs. He had not yet enjoyed all the other blessings. But he, he desired to get more because the devil came and preached there is something more. And all of a sudden, from all that he was blessed with, all the provision that he was given, you know, he felt God is withholding something. And I need to get to that something by my own strength. I need to get to that something by my own wisdom and by my own effort. So, Sin entered into the world because man felt there was something more because the devil presented a sermon. God did not give you enough. There is something more. Now, why is it God? I'm just going to touch on that, then I move on to, you know, uh, the, the business for the day. Why is it God did not want Adam to eat of the knowledge of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil? Because God wanted Adam and Eve and all humanity to operate from a place of relationship. Day in, day out, in the cool of the day, there was fellowship that was taking place. Adam communing with his father. Everything was okay. God wanted Adam to leave from a place of relationship. Then the devil says, well, no, I don't want you to leave from a place of relationship. But I want you to leave from a place where you are trying to avoid evil. What is good? What is evil? What is good? What is evil? There is no way you can be obsessed 
in knowing what is good and what is evil and have a good relationship with the Father. Because the moment you are you know, consumed about what is good and what is evil, you are disqualified. You disqualify rather yourself. That's where condemnation sets in. You disqualify yourself from actually enjoying the fullness of what God has provided. So God never intended humanity to live from the knowledge of good and evil. Even now, you know, we who are born again, we who are in Christ Jesus, we who are new creations, God does not want us the moment that we are saved to live from a place where did I do good? Did I do bad? Did I, what is good? What is evil? You know, let me try and avoid the, you know, the evil. Let me try and do the good. So the pressure is on myself. But God is saying, I want you to live from a place of relationship. And when you are living from a place of relationship, that place will guide you in what is only good. Rather than living with a consciousness of, am I doing good? Am I doing bad? But the moment you live from your relationship, you are living from a character that is sanctified, a character that is set apart, a character that is from the heart of God himself. Praise the Lord. So it is important for us to note that God never wanted us to live from a place where we always feel uh, that there is something more, number one, God did not want us to live from a place where we always feel like, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the bad thing? Because you cannot be in that state and still do good. Praise God. So now back to Esther. We spoke about Esther being in the palace and uh, they were given everything that they needed for their preparation. Everything was provided for by the king. Everything was provided for by the king. In our earlier lessons, we looked at the dynamics of the kingdom and we say that the people in the kingdom, they belong to the king. Everything in the kingdom, the wealth in the kingdom belongs to the king. So everything is for the king and everything is for the kingdom. So Esther is there, the other ladies are there. They come in with nothing and the king has made provision already and he has assigned a man by the name Haggai who was the custodian of the women to take care of business and make sure that everything that the king had made available is given to the people. Everything the king had made available. Take note of this. Everything the king had made available is given to the women for purification. All right? So that, that is what we find. So they, they, you know, Esther was given, put in a nice place. Uh, she had her maids just like any other girl who was there. Now, look at this now. Then the Bible says, when it was now her turn, which means other people were going in, they had their turns, Esther was just there, and you know, when it was their turn, other people, from what was already given, they felt they needed to add more. From what was already given, they felt we need to just make sure that, you know, I add my perfume right there. Well, I've got something that I brought from my house. Well, I've got something that, that makes me look better, you know, more than what is already given. Ah, no, let me get something more. You know, let me add something. Let me get something more. Let me add something more. So Esther was seeing everybody putting something more, you know, getting something more. But when it was her turn, the Bible says she requested nothing more than what was given by Haggai. Haggai is a eunuch. We dealt with that in the other lesson. Eunuch represented the interest of the king. He had the king at heart. He was pleasing to the king. The king knew 
everything that he wanted, Haggai knew, right? So the king, in appointing Haggai, he's simply saying, I am giving you, as the custodian of the women, a person who carries my heart, a person who knows what I love, a person who knows what can make you win the pageant. If you will listen to what he says, if you will do what he says, definitely you win the pageant. But others requested more. Others wanted more. Others wanted more. They sought for more. But the Bible says Esther requested nothing more than what was given. Praise God. She requested nothing more. But what Haggai, the king's eunuch, the custodian of women, advised. All right? So Haggai did not force it on, onto them. He simply advised. He simply appointed. He simply laid down the word. Exactly what Jesus did. He just came and, you know, he offered the kingdom. He offered his righteousness. He offered his goodness. He offered his life. Whosoever believes in him, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so that whosoever, so he's not going to force anybody because he has given us the greatest gift, which is the gift of free will. You make a choice, I make my choice. So life is there in the book of Deuteronomy. You know, it said that I've laid before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And he says, choose life so that you may live. I've, what God can only do is to lay down the life, is to lay down everything that he is, is to say, look, this is what you need if you are to be accepted by the king. This is what you need if you are to receive the favor of the king. You need only what he has provided. I want to say to somebody today, when Jesus came on the cross, he came and he died for us so that he can make provision for everything that we need in order for us to be accepted by the Father. He came and he says, look, you have been using your own righteousness. You have been glorying in your own righteousness, but it is not pleasing to the king. You have got your makeup. You have got your best kit. You have got the best oils. Whatever you thought was good for your skin, whatever you thought was perfect for you. But now that you are in the palace, now that you are preparing to meet the king, you cannot meet the king with everything, with, with you know, the preparation that you were um, using at your own house. When you come into the presence of the king, you got to use everything that the king provides so that you and me do not glory in what we have provided for ourselves. So he says, I'm making righteousness available. And if you say yes to me, you know, you take off your garment of your own righteousness. That is like filthy rags. And I give you the righteousness that belongs to me, my own righteousness. Are you going to put on that righteousness and be confident? You know, don't, don't say, well, I've been using my own for years and it has been working very well for me. Well, I've been doing this in church. It has been working out very well for me. Well, I've been using my works. I've been, I've been laboring on my own. I've been trying, you know, I've been getting favor from my, you know, my labor, from my works, from, you know, my desires, from, you know, from my sweat. God says, look, I never wanted you to live from a place of sweat. That's why in the garden, there was no sweat. There was working, but there was no sweat. Sweat was as a result of a curse. Toiling is as a result of the curse. Praise God. Toiling is as a result of the curse. God says, I have righteousness for you, 
but who is going to raise their hand and says, I will not request anything more than the righteousness that you have given. I'm not going to add to my righteousness. I mean, to your righteousness, my own righteousness. I'm not going to put on your righteousness. And on top of that, I says, well, but I've got this jacket that I like so much and I'm going to put it on. God says, I've given you the new testament. I've given you the new covenant. Don't add the old onto the new. I've given you the, you are the new wine. There is the new wine skin. Don't add onto that the old wine. Don't, don't, don't add onto that and try and, you know, uh, make a page and put an old wine skin right there. It doesn't work like that. I will request nothing more than what has already been given. There is peace given to me by God. I will not request anything more. This is the attitude that you and me should have if we are to walk in the victory. Because once we have the righteousness of God, there, will, there is no way we will be disqualified by the king and we'll be able to approach the throne of grace with boldness, right? Boldness, boldness, full of confidence because it is not mine. It is not try and error. I'm coming in the way that is accepted because I have the son of God in me, the one who came from the father. The one accepted by the Father. He is the one that I'm putting on. The Bible says, put on Christ and make no provision from, for the flesh. So you can put on yourself, your works, your pride, your glory, your boasting. But I want you to know the only way to be free and the only way to enjoy every blessing of God is when you and me put on Christ. When we put on Christ, it reminds me of the story uh, you know, in the book of Genesis of Isaac uh, blessing his, his two sons, Esau and Jacob. Jacob put, he put on the one who was accepted by the father. The one who was supposed to receive the blessing put on Christ. The moment you put on Christ, you don't need anything more. So there is the new covenant. Don't add to the new covenant and try and make it powerful by, by using the old covenant. Praise the Lord. So there is a blessing for you. There is a blessing for you. Don't try to add anything onto it. You are already blessed. We don't labor for it. We don't fight for it. We don't wrestle God for it. It is already given. Whatever you are trying to wrestle God for, it may be the more that you don't need. You have to have the confidence in what God has given. Request nothing more. You know, to request is to seek, to try to obtain. You see, you were already found. Stop seeking. You already in him. Stop seeking. You already have the righteousness of God. Stop seeking. You know, the Bible says we are made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He made him sin who knew no sin so that we may become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. My brother, you are already righteous. My brother, you are already redeemed. We are redeemed. We are forgiven. We have, you know, we are already sanctified. We are already predestined. We have got the seal of God. You don't seal your salvation by your prayers. You don't seal your salvation, you know, by your giving. You don't seal your salvation by anything else that you can think of. Request nothing more. Instead, glory in what has already been given to you by Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise God. He requested nothing more. He requested nothing more. Stop seeking for more. Adam, stop trying to look for more. You are already like God. Esther, request for nothing more. 
Hey guy, if you say this is all I need, I'm going to get all that I need from you. Even if I don't understand it, even if it is a foundation that I've not used for my face, even if it is the makeup that I've not used for my face, even if it is the perfume that I always felt is not good, but if that smell is accepted by the king, my confidence will be in what you choose. You know the king so well. You are from the king. You have been with the king. You know what he loves. You know what he does not like. So I'm not going to come my way as if I've become an expert in what the king knows. Jesus says, I come to do everything that is written in your book, in the book, to fulfill your will. Jesus already knows the will of the Father. And all he wants is for you to do as he has said in his word, as he gives and lays out in his word. He doesn't force you. He lays it down and say, if you will make a decision to request nothing more, you will obtain favor, even the favor of the king. Praise God. Willingly, we walk in the righteousness that God has given. Right? So it is not grace plus works. Why? Because the Bible says, if it is of grace, then it's no longer of works. If it is of works, then it's no longer of grace. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace or otherwise works. They are no longer works. So it is not Jesus plus something. It is Jesus plus nothing. Nothing more. Nothing more. I want you to say it as you're listening to me. I want you to say it loud. I will request nothing more. I will request nothing more. I will request nothing more. Jesus is enough. Enough for me. He is enough for me. His blessing is enough for me. His peace is enough for me. His joy is enough for me. If you are trying to get your peace from a, you know, from a calm world where there is no chaos, you are requesting something more. If you are trying to request, I mean, to, to seek your joy from your job, your joy from your qualifications, your joy from your children, you will actually request something more. The Bible says rejoice in the Lord always. I say rejoice. Whether things are good, whether things are tough, my joy does not come from something more. My joy is not beefed up by what I'm going through. My joy is not beefed up by my circumstances. I request nothing more. My peace is from God. I request nothing more to calm me down. My peace is from God. I request nothing more to give me joy. My joy is from the Lord. I request nothing more to sanctify me. I'm already set apart, declared holy by the Lord. I request nothing more to have the anointing of God. I'm already anointed. I do not have a price that I need to pay for the anointing of God. The price was already paid at the cross. He has already given me the anointed one in me. Why should I look for more of the anointing? How can I, 2000, more than 2,000 years later, still keep paying and paying for something that was given? I request for nothing more. I'm already anointed. Declare it over yourself. I already, I'm already prosperous. I'm already blessed. I'm already redeemed. I'm already sanctified. I'm already glorified. I'm already anointed. I'm already favored. I'm already loved. I'm already rich. I'm already blessed by God. Blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. Already blessed. Praise the Lord. Already blessed, already blessed. This is the reason, you and I have a reason to give God praise. You know, take a moment just to say thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus, for giving me all things that pertains to life and godliness. He has given us all things, not some things, but all things that pertains to life and godliness. You, you just have to declare, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, because I have all things. That's why the Bible says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh. Condemnation is always as a result of seeking something more. And when we don't get that more, we get disappointed. And when we get disappointed, we fall short. And when we fall short, we feel condemned. And when we feel condemned, we disqualify ourselves. And when we disqualify ourselves, we don't have confidence to approach the throne of grace with boldness. But if you remove the more and be satisfied with Jesus and say he is enough, guess what? You will not be condemned. There will not be condemnation. You will not feel condemned. Why? Because all that you have and all that you are is coming from Him. In actual fact, you have put on the very life of Christ. Colossians chapter 3, it says what? Christ who is our very life. Christ who is our very life. Now, if Christ is your very life, Colossians 3 verse, verse 3, if Christ is our very life, actually it's on verse 4, when Christ, who is our very life, appears. So who is your very life? Christ. Now if Christ is your very life, guess what? You need nothing more. Because all that you need, you already have. God said this to me, I think it's about nine years ago. He says, when you think all you have is gone, remember, he who has all is still with you. Emmanuel, God with us, with him. Praise God. When you get to a time where you feel everything that you have is gone, always remember, he who has all things is still with you. And that is Emmanuel, God with us, within. So you never lose. You never lose because you always have the one who owns, the one who is, the one who has all things. Praise God. Praise the Lord. God desires always to provide himself. He does not want you provide for him. He always wants to provide himself. He always wants to provide himself. You know that story of uh, of Isaac, um, Ad, uh, Abraham, Isaac. He wants to go and sacrifice him. When he got up the mountain, the greatest message of grace is preached. Go back with your Isaac, because I have in the thicket a ram. God will provide himself. God will provide himself. Himself is the provision. So the provision that God wants is himself. Praise God. God provides himself. He wants everything that comes to him to be from him. So Abraham had to go back with Isaac because God had provided himself the lamb for sacrifice. And more than 2,000 years later, God provides for himself. And when you begin to give him your money, your thanksgiving, your time, your everything, guess what? You know, the Bible says actually that they gave themselves up to God, the church in Macedonia. They had a revelation that they belonged to God. So if you know that you belong to God, guess what? Even what you think you are giving to God, it is actually God providing himself. Because remember, it is him who gives you power to produce wealth. So you are of God. You belong to God, you are His, and everything that you are is from God. Praise the Lord. Everything that you are is from God because God always wants what comes from Him.
So what happens in the garden, you see it now Matthew chapter number 4 from verse 1. You begin to see the whole, you know, discussion going on between the devil and Jesus. And what is Jesus, the devil saying? He is offering something more. Something more. If you worship me, you know, if you do this, then I'll give you something more. If you do this, then I'll give you something more. There is something more. And Jesus always gave him, you know, the best response. There is nothing more. What you are trying to offer me, I already have in Christ Jesus, in, in God. It's already given to me. Whatever you are trying to offer me, I have it already. I have it already. There is no need for you to offer me anything. So next time when the devil tells you you are inadequate, tell him, I have everything and I'm, my God is more than enough. The all-sufficient God. Praise the Lord. Now, three or two very good scriptures. Uh, then we come to the end of this service. John chapter number four. 13 to 14. John chapter 4, verse 13 to 14. You know, God ministered this to me uh, a couple of years ago and, you know, I was just there uh, towards the early hours of the morning and just God spoke to me and says, if you drink of this water, you will never be thirst again because he gives life, eternal life. John 4, 13 to 14, it says, Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. Now, let me make this clear. If you read a verse before this, maybe let's, let's read it. Gary, can you give us verse 12, please? Uh, John 4, let's, let's read that. Let's read that. John chapter 4, just to give a bit of context. Oh, praise the Lord, praise God, praise God. Because sometimes when, when we hear this, we think that maybe he's now, he's talking about the actual water. But Jesus had already switched. You know, this conversation was very interesting because it was the physical and the spiritual. You know, the physical and the spiritual, the, the religion and the relationship, the law and grace, the old and the new. Now, verse 18 Right, chapter 4, verse, verse 13. We're starting verse what? Verse 12. Right. It says, You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. And then Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. So he's talking both about the physical, this actual water, water, that we get from the tap. And he's also talking about a religion, right? The Old Testament religion. He's talking also about the religion in the Old Testament. You know, the father, our fathers, this is the religion of the fathers. Oh, they worship at this mountain. It is the religion in the Old Testament. It's about the physical. It is about this mountain. It's about this place. It's about, you know, Abraham. It's about Isaac. It's about, uh, you know, I, you know uh, Jacob. It's about everything that is physical, everything that is tangible. But he says now, right? If you drink of this water, you will come back again. But if you drink, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. So he's not talking about something that is completely different. He's talking now about the new covenant, the life that is in him will never thirst. But I shall give but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting. We learn something very important here 
What is it? He doesn't want you to come for more. There is nothing more after you drink of his water. You are satisfied. Praise God. When you drink of the water that he gives, you are satisfied. There won't be any need for more. If you drink from this water, from this well that I give you, it's not going to be like what you have been doing, making trips all the time. Every year you are trying to sacrifice again and again, trying to make your relationship with God good again and again. Always doubt if you are good with God again and again. Always trying to come for more again and again. Always drawing again and again. And it was difficult. Well, how can you draw? You know, you do not even have anything to use to draw. That's how difficult it was. You could not just come as you are. You needed something to draw. That's what religion is. As you are disqualified, you need a man, you need a priest, you need this, you need this. But Jesus became all that for us so that when we drink of the water, we will not come back for more. There is nothing more. You will never be thirsty again. So sometimes if you feel like, you know, you need more, if you are thirsty, you feel thirsty and all that, it is the devil trying to play with your mind. Or you have not drank of the water. But if you have drank of the water, the Bible says you will not thirst again. You will not thirst again. This is the best news ever. You will not thirst again. You will be filled. Then John chapter number 6, verse 32 to 35. John chapter number 6, 32 to 35. It says, Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven. Remember, if you check the, the, the verses prior to this, the Bible says they were fed by the bread from heaven. Manna was bread from heaven. Now, Jesus comes and says, now they, they celebrate the manna. They like the manna. And the idea of the manna, by the way, you know it, right? Every morning they would come. They would not store it for the following day. Every morning they, they would come, store it. It was enough for the day. So you need to go back again, go back again, go back again. That's manna, go back again, go back again. So you, you are full today, but you need for more. You're full today, you need more. It was only good enough to last you for 24 hours. After 24 hours, my friend, you needed to go back again. You needed to get more again. You, if you store it for longer, then you know you begin to see worms and all that. It will be rotten. So you needed to always go, always go, always go. Now, listen now. Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. So there was that bread from heaven, that is the manna, but there is the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is a person, is he, who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. That's the bread of God. Then they say to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Are you seeing this? I am the bread of life. If you come to me, you will never hunger. When you come to him, he does not increase your hunger so that you keep coming. We have preached a God and a Jesus 
who is always creating a hunger in his people so that we keep coming and we keep coming and we keep coming for more. You know, if God fills you up, then, then you, you won't, you won't stay. You will go. If God gives you everything that you need, you will stray and you won't have any need. God is so secure in himself to the extent that he knows that when he fills you, you don't run away. You actually want to stay where you are filled, where you have been satisfied, where there is a relationship that is not based on insufficiency, but a relationship that is based on sufficiency. He is the breasted one. He is El Shaddai, the all-sufficient God. That's how he wants to be known, you know, by you and by me, the God who satisfies the hungry, the God who satisfies the thirsty, the God who quenches our thirst. And he says, if you eat of this bread, you will never hunger again. There won't be need for anything more. How can you have the bread of life and you're still checking day after day for manna? How can you have the bread of life and you still want to request for something more, something more, something more? Church, the good news is when you are in him and you have him, you will never be thirsty again. The good news is if you drink of this water, never thirst again, no more trips up and down, no more seeking, no more requesting for more, no more pressure on yourself, no more pressure on your shoulders. Even if preachers come and try and put pressure on you, you say there is no need for more. And if you eat of the bread of life, says you will never be hungry ever again. Jesus wants a relationship, not with people who are hungry, but he wants a relationship with people who are not hungry. How can you be him in him and him in you and still hunger? There is no need for you to hunger. You are as righteous as he is. The Bible says, as he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. So back to that Esther now. Now let's read it with this understanding. Now when the ten came for Esther, the daughter of Abiel, the uncle of Mordecai, were taken her as his daughter, adopted. Time for you to shine. Your ten has finally come. You're supposed to go to the king, right? You belong to the king. You're supposed to go to the king. Request nothing more. Request nothing more than what the Christ himself has already given because the Christ came from the Father. He knows the Father. He is already making intercession for us before the Father. He was tempted and tested in all areas and yet without sin. He can be trusted. Requesting nothing more is a sign of trust. I, you are dependable. I trust you. You will not let me down. Seeking for more is simply not putting your trust. It's, a, it's, a, it's an expression of doubt. You don't trust him enough. Surely if he says, I'm righteous, am I really righteous? Surely as the king, I mean, the judge is declared not guilty. Is it really true what the judge has said? Let me see your qualifications. You know, I want to see where you went to school. I want to see your law degree. I want to see every qualification that you have that made you to be a judge. Are you rightfully the person to declare me not guilty? Are you really working for the government? Is this really true? You know, look, it is true. He can be trusted. When he says not guilty, surely you are not guilty. If you say, if he says adopted, surely you are adopted. If he says it's your turn, surely it is your turn. If he says the garment belongs to you, surely put on the garment of righteousness. If he says joy is yours, surely it is joy is yours. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord and rest in what he has already done for you. 
He says, Come unto me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Put on, take my yoke. My yoke is easy. My yoke is easy. Hand over your yoke, the yoke of labor, and always seeking for more. And get his, that is easy. And the Bible says you will find rest for your soul. So there is freedom. This is called freedom. There is freedom that we find in Christ Jesus. So Haggai, whatever Haggai gives you, the king's eunuch, take that. That is good for you. And then it says, And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all who saw her. Praise the Lord. Esther obtained favor in the sight of all who saw her. Favor is your portion. Favor is yours. And this favor is only found in what he has already provided and all that he has already given. My plea, my prayer, and my heart and my desire for all of you today is that we request nothing more than what has already been given. We have everything that pertains to life and godliness and we need to rest in what has been given by Christ Jesus. Remember, our duty and our mandate is to rest in what he has given us. And when we are able to rest in what he has given us, we are able to reveal it to other people. And when we reveal it to other people, reconciliation takes place. We rest, we reveal, and we reconcile. Once again, this is the God who cares, who has made everything available for his children. And I want to challenge you right now, you and me, to also care for other people around us. That's what he has called us to do, is to show love to the brother, is to be that good Samaritan to those who are robbed, those who are hurting, those who are wounded, and even part with our resources in order for us to be a blessing. He was that to us. Jesus was that to us. Now we need to go out there and declare and be that as well to people around us because the world will know that we are his disciples when we begin to love one another. And how can you confess to love God that you have not seen when you had a brother who is next to you? We care. That's what we do. We serve. That's what God has given us. So I want to challenge you to care for a brother. Let us know how God is being, has been good to you. Send your testimony. Send feedback. We want to know what is happening in your life. A prayer request. And we'll be more than happy to be a part of your journey and to pray with you and to encourage you and to even provide whatever that we can to be a blessing to you. You are blessed because you are above and not beneath. You are the head and not the tail. Stranger to failure and a winner by nature. Say that we win or we win. You are blessed.